Welcome to season three of The Skinny. I'm your host, Cezanne. So many things happening all at the same time. Incredible conversations and movements that have been ignited and reignited. Much to learn and even relearn. This season on The Skinny, we dig deeper, cutting the fat and getting right down to the nitty gritty on topics that impact our lives. I'm so excited to highlight amazing stories and facilitate impassioned voices and conversations, eager to share, learn, grow, and evolve with you into more amazing, enlightened, and empowered souls. So come on, honey bunnies, let's do this. Hi, honey bunnies. Welcome to another episode of The Skinny with Chazon. I hope you had an amazing week. If this is your first time with us or you're returning for another week of love with us, my sincerest thanks to you. Sewing, designing, quilting, crafting, and making is an art that is limitless, priceless, incredible, irreplaceable, and extremely rewarding and therapeutic with the full capacity of giving you gray hairs along the way. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. And there has most certainly been a sewing surge over the past years. And by the way, did you see what I did in the title? The sewing surge. And for those who are not sewing, that's referencing the sewing machine and the surging machine at the same time. Thank you very much. Um, I speak from personal experience when I say that it is a medium and outlet that can bring such incredible joy. And with me on the show today is a remarkable woman, mother, wife, complete boss babe, entrepreneur, game changer, wave maker, and an individual that has personally impacted this industry in a way that will go down as a part of her legacy. She's wonderful, colorful, bright, vibrant, loving, supportive, and driven, and definitely a soul sister you want in your life. It's none other than Monica, creator of That's So Monica. So welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. That was, oh my goodness, a fabulous introduction. I'm sitting here like, who is she talking about? <laughs> you, that is you. Oh my God, thank you so much. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh, you're welcome. Sometimes you don't realize how much you've accomplished. Oh my God. I'm so humble. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fabulous, Sejan. I'm doing very fabulous. How are you? Uh, good. I would say that I'm doing pretty good <laughs> with everything that we have going on. Thank God I can't um, honestly complain. I won't complain. Yeah. Um, I just will focus on being grateful. So yeah, I'm good. Yes. That's what we need to focus on truly, because there is a lot going on. And I think I just say fabulous just to, just to get by, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Which we need to, I mean, it's, it can be overwhelming and definitely consuming at times. And that's just the reality, but, um, on those moments when we're conscious enough to get our heads in the right space, um, focusing on the positive, I'm sure is the medicine that we all need. <laughs> but let's get started at the beginning of your sewing journey. When did your personal relationship and love for sewing begin and who introduced you to sewing? Wow. Well, thank you for that question. And I will say that it actually began when I was a child. Um, and I'm going to say this, even though I wasn't sewing at a young age, um, mm -hmm. I actually started sewing, um, 
a few years ago. It's about about seven years ago. But my mom, grandmother, aunts, uncles, um, they all sewed. Uh, my father's family, him himself, he actually would use a needle and thread and I would watch when I was a child. Um, both my parents coming from Ghana, West Africa, um, in vocational school or in school, one of the things that you had to learn was sewing. That was one of the traits that when you went to boarding school, everyone had to learn. Mm-hmm. So my mom would sew when we were living in the United States, she would sew um, just as a therapy and then just for fun for family members. So she kind of introduced me um, to sewing. I would sit there and draw little sketches while she would sew and I would see her making beautiful gowns and bridal gowns for my relatives mm. and um She would make my Halloween costumes and, you know, different types of things. My school uniforms, we never would buy them. She would purchase Mm -hmm. the fabric and we always had our custom school skirts or hem the skirts for my other other friends. So uh, she passed away um, from brain cancer. And uh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. In uh, 2003 and um, in 2013, to honor her, the 10 year anniversary of her passing for Mother's Day, I had decided to take up sewing because I felt like, you know, it's been 10 years and I, I, I felt I still I feel connected to her, but I felt like I needed a little bit more of a connection. And mm-hmm. um, one day I was online and I started searching and looking for sewing classes in the area. We had just moved to Texas and mm-hmm. um, I came upon uh, the local ASG. And uh, that's kind of how I got started. But I've always um, would do fashion shows, sketch, and I still have my sketches from way back when I was young. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) I've always enjoyed fashion, and you know, living in New York. So that's kind of how it was. It was in my blood, I would say, you know, and going back home. I remember looking at all the fabric my mom would have, things that she would make, things that my family would make. Um, So that's how I got it introduced. So it was more to kind of just get closer to her again and to also be able to sew fabulous things that I knew I couldn't get at the store sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this may be tricky, but what are what are your three most favorite things to work on and create? Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have some good questions. Okay. So, ooh, what are my three favorite things to work on and create? Okay. So I love blouses. Mm-hmm. I love dresses and anything long. Um, so long dresses. I love doing that. So dresses, blouses, and I definitely would and add pants. Now that I finally have mastered pants, um, I would say pants. If not, it would be a toss up between blazers. Okay. And you, your, your work is amazing just on your platform, the way that you're able to manipulate fabrics and just create an energy from your clothes. It's like a vibe. You can see someone that's wearing something. It's like, okay, I saw her, but then you see someone and it's like, oh, wow, she looks amazing. And it's like, like documenting. <laughs> and you remember that person you being, oh, the one that had the yellow pants and the polka dot shirt and the da da da. That's you. <laughs> Thank you. I love, you know what? I love all the pieces that I've created thus far, though. I feel like they haven't been as many as I would like because I don't have the time to sew as often as I would like. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I want to wear them every day. So that's the that's the best part of it. 
And sewing in itself is a remarkable art. And people that sew typically say that they love creating and giving life to fabrics they consider to be beautiful. So growing up in Jamaica, for me, I was also in the same type of situation where my uniforms were going to be made. And, you know, that was pretty much a norm. And um, I was familiar with like common titles like the seamstress or the dressmaker, tailors and designers. Um, When I heard designers, then it was like, New York, America, (laughs) all of that kind of stuff. But um, there is such a great respect for the craft because it was a very normal part of our lives where you would just go to the seamstress or the dressmaker to have things made. And those four names are pretty much all I was Mm -hmm. comfortable with, not necessarily comfortable, but um, that I knew seamstress, dressmaker, tailor, uh, designer. And now that's way more expansive in terms of terms and titles. And um, there's quite a bit of range to them. Some of them are not even in the dictionary. (laughs) I personally like sewist because I feel like I'm an artist and now I love to sew. I've been sewing for the past year and a half, self-taught. And but I feel like sewist is like a merging of artist and sewing. So but do you have one that you prefer to be um, identified with or one that you just personally like? Well, I'll be really honest. I agree with what you said, sewist. Um, I consider myself a sewist uh, because I feel like with the seamstress, it, it's a different definition. And I remember when my mom would go to the seamstresses and she considered herself a seamstress, you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, for hire. And I feel like for me, the sewist is more of, is the way I see art, just like you said, um, mm-hmm. and how I'd like to visualize the clothes that I'm wearing because I don't want the clothes to wear me. I wear the clothes. So I, I love the term. So as I would say. Okay. And, um, it's for, because I don't know if it's the same for you because I understand, or maybe it makes sense to me that like a seamstress, this is her paid job. Yes. Yeah. Is that how you see it as well? That's how I see it. It's a okay. job, um, definitely for hire, where I see for me, when I say I'm a sewist, I'm more of a home sewer. And I don't like mm-hmm. to go by the term home sewer um, because, yeah, I, I don't know. I just seem sewist is just more, it, it helps me create that art as well as mm-hmm. fashion that I love and incorporate. And then I'll let people know, no, I, I don't mind designing, but I'm not a designer, you know? Right. Um, right. But I also am not a seamstress because I'm not doing this for hire. Um, it's more of my love for sewing. And when I see a pattern or something that I want to create in my head or something that I saw, um, that I actually couldn't afford at the time, then I'll go ahead and just make it. (laughs) For many, many years, sewing was considered or has been considered still, but by some, a lost or dying art. And classes that I remember taking in school, like you were mentioning about, you know, sewing Mm -hmm. just being a regular part of the curriculum, um, like home economics, that has been removed from the required list of classes. And many of the basic skills like hemming, sewing, putting on a button or repairing a tear on like personal clothes is like completely nullified. And the ramifications of that modification to the schedules um, 
is that over time, it became really evident that research actually shows that uh, many young people were just throwing their clothes in the garbage, literally. (laughs) And yeah, and so, and that was because their clothes had been in need of those minor repairs. And it's just since then, with them not knowing how to do them, they considered it garbage. And so they just tossed it out. And that, of course, snowballed. And there are actually stats showing that 95% of the 3.8 billion pounds of textiles that's being dumped annually could actually be recycled. And they have minor Mm. flaws, if any at all. And so it's so interesting to me that people actually keep stats of these kind of things, but the domino effect, and they're able to trace it back. And I mentioned landfills a lot because I am really interested in how our environment is affected by our actions. I wanted to quickly elaborate just on the landfill a little bit. From time to time, when I do talk about it, I don't feel like I go deep enough to explain why. But these decomposing textiles, they re- release this methane into the air. And methane is this harmful greenhouse gas that contributes mm-hmm. to global warming. And how this affects us is that the dyes and the chemicals from all of these textile wastes, they actually get into the soil from the landfills and it contaminates our water supply. And so I wanted to quickly add that in because I've mentioned it on previous episodes, but then I get questions back. So I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit, though, with our consciousness of what we're doing and our actions with our clothes and textiles, then we kind of slow that process down a little bit. So definitely. And I'm glad that you're passionate about that, because I think that that's important um, that we talk about it. Because even as we sew, and I know for me, when I'm sewing and all of the scrap fabric, I actually have bins of scrap fabric. Um, because I want to decompose of, mm-hmm. of it in a natural way um, because of global warming, but also mm-hmm. because I sometimes want to repurpose it. And I, I, I kind of find different things to do with it, like stuff it in a pillow or stuff it in a variety of different things. So I'm not right. wasting. And um, typically when I purchase fabric, unless it's on cover fabric, I try to purchase exactly what I need. And then just a little bit in case I make a mistake. So I'm always, tr- I always try to be conscious of that. And um, typically when I see friends who are sewing and they're just, they're cutting fabric and they have left. And I'm like, what are you, you're not, <laughs> oh, we don't need it. And they throw it out. I'm like, no, we have to have that. So I go digging in the, in the trash bin, taking out their fabric. And then they're like, what are you going to use it for? I said, well, you know, and I try to explain. So no, this is great that you're you're using your platform to talk about that as well. And I'm so excited that you mentioned it because um, that's something that I heard about that in history, that's what used to be done with like old clothes and old fabric is that they actually would use it to stuff mm-hmm. furniture and to stuff pillows. And that was how they gave that extended life to it. So hearing you say that you stuff the pillows and stuff. It's like, yes, yes, there's so much we can do. And you have like amazing companies like Fab Scrap in New York, where they are a company that gets all of these fabrics that are left over from designers and other showrooms. And then they actually try to extend the life by making it available to crafters and sewers. And this, so see, Monica, that's why I love the things that you are doing (laughs) to bring people together and to teach them such an amazing skill and the joining and union that's formed during this time, 
Um, but let me not get ahead of myself. Okay, hold on. <laughs> so I sometimes wonder if the outlook of the art of sewing may have played a part in the school's decisions, along with the money, of course, um, mm. to then remove these classes or just a part of this curriculum that was such a norm and benefit to people in such a huge way. So at any point before you personally started sewing, and I know you're exposed to it with your family, but did you also consider it like a lost art or dying art? Definitely. Um, unless you said that you wanted to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. That was it. Didn't really, you didn't really see it. I had to learn how to mend my buttons. And, you know, at school, sometimes when the uniforms would come out, I, that's how I learned to sew also, do hand sewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when my friend's buttons would come off their shirts, they would hand it to me and I would just sew it. But I, I did see that as a lost art. And I would have loved had I had home ec been available, I definitely would have taken it. And I think I would have got into sewing a little bit more or even just paid attention to it when my mom was sewing. I think because in Ghana at the time, and when she had moved here, sewing was something that you did if you did not go to school. It was vocational school. Mm-hmm. So for those who did not want to go to university or finish um, secondary or form school or high school, we, you know, that's what we would call it um, then. Mm-hmm. And so to her, it was like, no, go to school, go to college, you know, learn. What are you doing sitting here watching me sell? Yeah. Um, getting your books, do do those things that you need to do to make money. Um, Cause this is not something that's going to make, make you money. They didn't see it as, Oh, you want to be a designer. What is that? Yes, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, I could totally um, relate to that because I also remembered that I wanted to become a fashion designer and I loved sewing and I loved all of the, the crafting and just the creative side of things in Jamaica. And um, there was a seamstress that lived across the street from us. So she had actually moved from Canada and I was so fascinated with the things that she would make. And I could just like sit and watch her. I w- you wouldn't hear a peep out of me because I would just be like so <laughs> engaged in all of the details. And um, yeah, when I moved to America, then time went on and then I got a better understanding. And then my I remember my mom bringing home um, a magazine because she knew how much I loved just the whole fashion world and the beauty and all that stuff. But I was still young at that time. So I didn't have like a clear understanding of the career of a fashion designer. Um, and so I had my little sketchbooks as well, which I wish I had a way to find those little sketches that I did. Cause sometimes I'll see things now and I laugh because I'm like, Oh my God, that looks like what I had in my sketchbook. But that's like some, ancient time looking pants <laughs> that I had drawn. But um, it is something that it's, it's so incredible. And it's, it's such a, it's such an amazing art because when I went on to college now, I was saying my mom brought me a magazine and it was about Donna Karen and it gave like a quick rundown in the article about what she did, what school she went to, what she had to do. And she elaborated on so many details that it helped me to identify that, oh, this is what it's called. It's a fashion designer. This is what I want to do. But when I actually mm-hmm. went to college and I was talking to the career advisor and letting them know that this is what I wanted to do, what classes do I need to sign up for? And I remember them telling me, which sticks with me all the time, that's not a guaranteed career. You need to think of something else like teaching or nursing or something like I was totally 
thrown upside down because that's all I wanted to do for my entire life. And so that derailed me from something that I thought was just my destiny. I felt strongly at that time. And um, yeah, it was looked at that time like, oh, so you want to go to school for fashion designing, but really what you want to be is a seamstress. Like you don't have to go to school for that. You can just go make clothes. But it's like, no, in my mind, I knew it was bigger than that. And I wanted to do more than that. But just in reference to what you're saying at that time, there wasn't like a respect or this reverence to the craft like there is now. Yes, exactly. Definitely. And what does it mean to you now that you've been doing it for the past seven years? And what role does it play in your life? Well, it plays a very emotional role, I would say, because this is the only way that I feel connected to my mom Mm -hmm. Um, in in, in a deeper way, because I know she shared that love for sewing. Um, So for me now, sewing is is a way of life for me. That's all I think Uh about, honestly. (laughs) It's so interesting because I'll sit in meetings, um, planning things for my job. And then if you turn to the next page, you'll see sketches, you'll see designs, you'll see pattern numbers, you'll see, you know, (laughs) (laughs) then you'll see some doodles on another page. And it's like, I just can't wait to get home to sell. But then I'm so exhausted, you know, from work and family. Then it's like, you know, but it it means so a lot because I... I feel that not only have I met a whole new found community mm-hmm. of sewists, sewists, sewers, however we deem ourselves, uh-huh. right? Um, but these have been some really great relationships and friendships that that I've developed that uh, that I would never think of. And we all share this love mm-hmm. of sewing that has brought us together. So it, it truly means a lot. I'm passionate about it. I light up when I talk about it. Um, <laughs> I try my best now, and that's my biggest thing, especially for the past um, year and a half, was to make things that I want to wear every day so that I could wear. Because before, like I told you, I was doing dresses, Uh you know, really nice, pretty outfits. But it's like I work in events and marketing. Um, Yeah, there are times when I have to wear those things. But then there are moments when, you know, with COVID and everything, you're not not working. They're not events Mm -hmm. as much. Mm So. I'm like, okay, when I'm going to the supermarket, I want to be able to wear something I made. It's something to be said when you are walking around and you're like, somebody's, oh, that's nice. Yes, I made exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there, there's this sense of um, pride that comes from, yeah, this is like my creation. Yes, thank you very much for acknowledging what I just made, by the way. <laughs> when you say, and it has pockets. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, Oh, wait, come back, come back. Let me tell you a little bit more about it. <laughs> and then they size you up and down. And you're like, okay, oh God, pray there's no thread that's sticking out. <laughs> yes. looking at you differently. You made that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so because I finally um, started teaching myself to sew a year and a half ago, I made that decision. I so excitedly and probably annoyingly Um, to some share my designs and sewing ventures because everything that I'm doing right now because it's still pretty new is like my first time it's like oh my god this is my first time putting in pockets and pants oh my god this is my first time putting in a zipper (laughs) so but I then get asked um, quite a bit 
by mm. others like would you make this for me do you make clothes for other people so I know this is like a running joke um, about those questions in the community and I did see the other day which I laughed uh, Mr. Domestic's platform and yeah. to, by the way Mr. Domestic for our listeners is an incredible quilter and sewist and crafter but on his shirt it said yes I sew no I won't hem your pants and so do you sew for others at any time or just yourself <laughs> oh, I have to laugh at that question so I'm going to say no and I'm going to say yes okay a, a big emphasis on no 95 <laughs> no the 5% that's the yes is, um, you know, if it's, if it's my best friend, family member that needs something, yes, I will do it because I know either they're in a pickle or it's, it's, an, it's a special occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, one of my best friends recently finally was able to conceive and have a baby and she wanted um, a robe type of look for the baby announcement. And of course, because that was a special moment and I want it to be a part yes. with that. Yes. You know? Um, and then for the baby's birthday, I don't do, I can't stand tool anymore. I, you know, I had an um, that was my first project with tool. And let's just say that the Plano ASG decided to put no tool as the first project because of me. <laughs> that was the rule, no tool. Um, but she asked, can I make a tool third for her and her daughter? I'm like, oh my God, girl, you know, but okay, it's my best friend, sure. Um, but I remember when I first started, um, when I got my new job, and I said, you know, they they found out I sewed. My mm-hmm. coworker brought a bag full of pants mm. and said, you hem these Mm-mm. for me. And I looked at him, and I was like, no, I can't. And he's like, well, why? Is it because I'm not a seamstress? Well, you sew. And I said, well, yeah, and you can take those to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. Well, it's expensive. I said, well, I'll probably be more expensive too. <laughs> and that was that on that. And um, I'll be very honest. And I, and I, I don't think I've shared this with anyone. I, I don't believe besides um, those who know me personally, mm-hmm. I've always had a fear that I would make something for someone. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they were wearing it, everything would just start like falling apart and they would end up naked. Oh. I don't know. But that was like a reoccurring dream. So that kind of like blocked me from even doing that. I wanted to do skirts at first. I actually had an Etsy shop. Um, so I was sewing for people. I was doing bags because mm-hmm. oh, you can't do anything wrong with bags. You don't have to size anybody up. Uh-huh. You can just make it how you want to make it. And if they buy it, they buy it. Right. Um, <laughs> and then to be honest with you, it's the time. I have a very heavy schedule. Mm-hmm. So because even get a chance to sew for myself it's really difficult to try to do anything for others so besides my family um in which I have to make something for my son he's left I need to make something for him I've done something for my daughter and my husband but um not as much as they would like (laughs) (laughs) it's it's I can totally understand because for me I also feel like the anxiety and the idea of making something for someone else and going through that process of, no, can you, no, tighten up here? Or no, can you adjust this? Or I make it and then something is wrong with it or it doesn't look the way that they thought it was going to. That's just like so much where it's like, okay, no, I'm just going to continue over here in my little corner making stuff for myself. 
Um, because there is anxiety that comes with that. I have complete admiration for seamstress that this is their day in and day out. It's amazing that they're yes. able to do that. It is. It is. And I'm going to prey on myself on that reoccurring dream. <laughs> when I do ever get time, because I would love to see, you know, some things that I make on people um, and they light up because I have made a few things like some skirts and a, and a few different makes. And when they wear it, they're wearing it proud. So it's it's a different feeling uh-huh. um, when is wearing something that you've made. Um, but again, it, it does come down to time. And I think sometimes, um, and I'll, and I'll say this too, is that with them not understanding or knowing what it takes to make a garment, mm-hmm. um, to make it fit well, look well, and all of that stuff. Uh, sometimes it's like a little insulting. Um, speaking of Matt from Mr. Domestic, I remember posting something uh, on my page uh, where it was a meme of Nini. He and I share the love of Nini uh-huh. from Wise of Atlanta. <laughs> I posted, it was a picture of her various faces and it was something like, uh, would you make this for me? And it was like, okay. And it was like, girl, you sell, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Um, would you make this for me? And then the, her facial expression changes. Then it's like, oh, I can just give you $25, right? And then her face looked like, what? Uh-huh. And then she's like, well, Pay more, uh huh. Really more? Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's like they don't know how much it. The time goes into it. The love, the you know, all of that stuff. It's not easy. It's I'm a slow sewer. That's one thing too. I don't whip up things fast, and I like to take my time to enjoy the process of the garments that I make. Yes. So it's not, yeah, it's not beneficial for me to sew anything for people at this time. <laughs> Yeah, it's really it's really hard to to put a price on it and the other person realize that okay, whatever this price is is worth it because there is so much detail and so much time that goes into creating this um in in the way that you're going to love it and in the way that's also satisfying for you as the creator of it. So, yeah, that whole $25 for something is like no Mm-mm. no yeah <laughs> if you send me a link to a site and the dress is fifty dollars and you're asking me to make it you're you're not even going to get the fabric yeah. that you want that price especially if you want quality fabric so i send them back the link and said hey do you want to purchase this i'd rather pay you to i'll pay for it you know <laughs> the headache it's going to cause. And, and the one thing I don't like is when people find out you sew and it's like, well, I'm going to get you to make me. You're not going to get... <laughs> that, that part, when they say that part, that's when I kind of give them that look like, uh-huh. oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That's what they say. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here's the yeah. rude awakening side eye. Take it and run. Please run quickly. <laughs> so over the past years, there most certainly has been an amazing surge in the sewing community, which is such a beautiful thing to witness. So all ages and people, many people on a whole are also driven to the art of sewing because of its interconnection with conscious fashion and its more sustainable alternative. And um, also because of the many boycotts that are happening with their intentional disassociation with fast fashion. And so there are just 
limitless, countless incredible platforms and blogs that have been created in support of sewing or to show the sewing world and um, tons of hashtags, of course, to explore if you want to look at it at like BMM September was amazing. Sew Yourself Sustainable, Mm -hmm. National Sewing Month and on and on. But you, Miss Monica, have also created a couple of incredible free sewing programs and platforms that have brought many sewers together. And they continuously inspire, motivate and unite a diverse group of women with different sewing levels um, in your Dallas community and on Instagram on a monthly basis. And it's the Project Sew, um, which you started back in 2015, and also Sew Your View, which started back in 2017. So please tell me about them. And also, what was the catalyst to you starting these programs? Oh, okay. So um, I'll start with the Project Sew, the Project Sew. So you know, okay. So I'm an I'm an event planner. Also, mm-hmm. um, I've been doing events for years. It, I have a variety of different um, uh, things that I've done over my uh, career span. Mm-hmm. But now I'm actively um, a creative marketing strategist with focus in events and branding. And um, with that, one of the places that I worked at the city of Dallas, um, they found out, of course, that I sew. And one of the things, you know, is doing events and bringing events to the community. We had to do some more free programming mm-hmm. uh, during the times that some of our buildings were not necessarily being utilized. And one of the ways to incorporate the community a little bit more. So they said, Monica, would you and your sewing group, the local um, ASG, be interested in um, sewing, doing sewing here where we can, you know, do some free classes or offer it where you guys just get together and open sew? And I'm like, OK, yeah, you guys want that? I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. you can run it. So I'm still working. I get to sit and so uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, I uh, I decided to call it Project Sew and I contacted um, the my former teacher um, from the ASG when I took the six week class with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, hey, I have this free space. It's a beautiful building. It's a very safe area um, in Dallas and we could come and sew and what dates are you available? And let's start doing some smaller projects just in person, open sew, free type sewing. And um, that's where it, the concept had started. Mm-hmm. So have them come in and we would sit and we would sew. And then it was a variety of different women. Um, I advertised it on our social media for the Dallas Parks um, website, as well as, you know, in Dallas. And slowly but surely, we started to gain, um, you know, momentum. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we would have, you know, 10 women, five, sometimes it would be two, sometimes it'd be 20, but um, it slowly grew. Um, And then when I promoted up to a different position, I couldn't commit to doing the Mondays once a month because I had to work, you know, Um, and I'm in a whole new position. And at first I would take my days off to do that, but it was just really difficult. But I had more access to more buildings, um, more recreation centers, actually, and decided to open it up to the whole entire park system but do it on Saturdays. So when we moved to Saturdays, uh, we, you know, at first it was a little change because everyone was kind of used to the Mondays, Uh but it was so hard because they also had to take off. So that was their therapy too, for some of the women. It was like, oh, I get to take off and come and enjoy, (laughs) you know, 
<laughs> so, um, so when we moved to Saturdays, I had we had recently had purchased a new house. So I'm like, I got a new sewing room. <laughs> um, what is the purpose of me coming? <laughs> you uh-huh. know, <laughs> so weekends and pack this up when I can just sit and sew in my house. And I thought about it and I said, Monica, the reason why is because that's why you formed it because you want to sew with other people. You love community. You love bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And this is that way to connect. So I remember it was um, maybe one or two months where it was just myself and another person because we had changed location. Uh-huh. So two of us there and I was like, oh, my God, should I continue to do this? And it was like, you know what, even if it's one person that comes out of their house to come and sew, that's someone that's being exposed to sewing because sometimes we will have new sewers. And um, one day I was thinking, I was like, OK, we're going to keep it going. And then that day and I think I just started the Instagram page, I believe, and just, you know, started just saying, putting stuff out there and people like, oh my God, we're coming. We're going to come. And it just blew up from there. Uh-huh. But it was something that we've been doing for five years. It wasn't an overnight thing. Again, it was something that was steady. And then we slowly continue to build upon our community. And I will tell you, those are the most wonderful ladies. I call them my soul sisters, mm. my friends. Um, we, we have our own chats, we communicate. And then um, from there, I could see that other women and other groups wanted to have uh, projects sew in their cities or sewing groups similar. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I didn't see this as a business or anything. Cause I'm like, this is something free. I don't make money from it, you know, cause it was part of my job. Mm-hmm. Um, want to have something, a sewing group, you know, feel free form it. I'm not the owner, you know, of sewing groups. Um, <laughs> I, there's been so many, this was just the platform that I was able to utilize through my job. Um, but then, you know, I, I branched off into Atlanta and we tried that and that was great. And then we were about to do a DC one, but because of COVID we had to cancel um, that particular event. But I realized that there was a need for that community mm-hmm. and, um, through that, I saw like we when we get together and we all have our machines, we're talking about it. We're talking about our different makes. Everyone lights up. And um, since COVID has happened, you know, we've been meeting on Zoom, but it's not the same. And, you know, recently, actually, a couple of us actually got together yesterday mm-hmm. um, to go fabric shopping. So it's just wonderful to just connect and see your soul sister. And we love shopping and talking. So we would sell and then go on these um, fun um trips because the fabric district was not far from where we would oh, meet mm-hmm. <laughs> a 12 passenger van i'll put everybody in and i'll drive them to the fabric district and then you know for those who couldn't fit would drive their cars um but yeah that's how that happened and then with uh sew your view um i love doing different types of sew alongs i couldn't participate as much as i would like mm-hmm. but i wanted something um, to transition from projects so that would keep me consistent in sewing. Okay. So um, I started that uh, with another sewist at the time and it was kind of like, hey, two or three people would do the pattern and then every month we would just kind of like talk about it and um, that started to grow and I was like, wow, I didn't even, again, I wasn't even thinking about anything. I was like, if you guys want to because this is helping me stay accountable to sew uh-huh. because it came a time I would go to Project So, and you know I love to talk because you see I'm talking right now. <laughs> Me too. Oh my god, it's okay. <laughs> I would pack up. My husband says, "Well, what did you bring back? What did you make?" And I'm like, "Nothing." What do you mean nothing? You packed up all of this stuff and you didn't make because I was talking. <laughs> so 
the Sawyer View needed to keep me accountable because I had to make something to show. Because if I'm going to post it and I'm the host, I have to at least, have you know, something. make so that's kind of how that started. Um, and again, there's been other so alongs that I've participated in, but this was one we had just, it was kind of like a small group of us that were kind of getting together and it's like, Hey, you know, just to keep us accountable. Um, and that's kind of how So Your View started. And I decided to create its own page just separate from that. So Monica, Mm -hmm. so that stand alone and have its own host every month because again I'm really busy I can't host um I know where my strengths are um Uh and I have um but it's been great to see the overwhelming response of us when we see a pattern and how we all interpret that pattern to our style and how we work and manipulate fabric and how we discuss it so I'm so excited for so your view and where it's going in the future, because we will. And I'm going to I like to speak things into existence. We will have so your view patterns um, and that's soon to come. Uh-huh. Um, we will be doing things with so your view where we continue to foster um, community, bridge those gaps and bring people together. It's one diverse community. So you'll have um, sewists from all different ranges, from age to um, demographic um different demographics to location as well. So um, I love it. And I'm trying my best now to start for next year, incorporating more gender neutral patterns Mm -hmm. uh, that we can be more inclusive of the men that sew as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you said um, that you had to, how the effects of the pandemic is that you went virtual. And so do you feel that this is something that is maintaining its momentum during the pandemic, that it'll be able to maintain that same life after? I'll say this, you know, I think we all had to pivot during COVID and um, I will say during the pandemic and once it started and then with the death of Mr. Floyd and then Mm -hmm. everything, racial, social injustices going on in our country. um, And then I've experienced a couple of deaths this year due to COVID Mm -hmm. and just everything. There was so much weight. It was like a heaviness. And I'll be very honest that I had to take a break and I had to take a break. And that meant that there was nobody to run any of the platforms mm-hmm. that I so project. So kind of just was there. Um, I did not feel like seeing or meeting with anyone. Um, mm-hmm. review took a break because we all just was like, Oh my God, is, should we be sewing? Are we happy to sew? Is this like, we're back to life when all of this stuff is going on around us. Yeah. Um, but then realizing that um, after I had formed a uh, black makers matter, mm-hmm. I, it's that. And I realized that, you know, what sewing has always been my outlet. It made me connect to my mom. It also makes me connect this therapy and just feeling good for myself. Why would I want to stop that? Um, but I will say that once we started picking up and even with Project So, we recently um, met together. Mm-hmm. We all met at the fabric store because it recently opened. There was a real bad tornado here in Dallas that damaged, uh, well, de- demolished our entire fabric oh, wow. district. Out of uh, six stores, only one was standing. Um, no, two were standing. And then um, one of those decided to close earlier this year. No no reason, no effects to the tornado. They just decided to close. So after almost a year, they all, a few of them decided to open up. And um, we are now down to three. Um, yeah, three that are open out of the six. Oh, okay. um, so we took a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot 
eye open. It was like, you know what, let's go and support. Let's go do some sewing. And it was, I'll tell you, when we each of us kept coming in to the store and we were screaming, everyone's looking at us like, what is wrong with you guys? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, hey girl, hey sis, hey. You know, we were just, it it was a feeling we didn't even care about. COVID at that moment, we all had our mask on. We we all knew we most of us have been tested. We all knew who we've been around because we I made sure of that before we kind of got together mm-hmm. so that we could. But we were hugging each other, holding each other from afar for those who wanted to get close. And we went out to lunch and that connection that we have mm-hmm. was still there. Yeah. So I say that I think once COVID is over, if it is, because right now we do have to shift our mindset with this pandemic. We're going to continue to do the Zoom um, uh, social calls, the Zoom time, the group t- um, texting. But we do hope to meet in person. Um, unfortunately, with the city of Dallas, our recreation centers are not open on the weekends. Oh. And those are the days that we would do it. So now I'm trying to look for a place that, uh, of course, we don't pay um, that could um, accommodate um a large space, maybe a gym, but that we could all be socially distanced um, as well as meet the right. room requirement. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I am totally cracking because I don't even know when you have time to do. I, I can't even understand the time schedule <laughs> that you keep because in addition to that, you're also, you lightly touched on it, but you're also the creator of the amazing coalition of black makers. Um, you, along with 25 other creators in the sewing and crafting community, came together and launched Black Makers Matter. And within 24 hours of you pulling the trigger on it and uploading your first post on Instagram, announcing your presence, your goal, your mission, and that was on June the 5th, you guys yeah. had 10,000 followers and it's been growing. And mm-hmm. it's been growing rapidly. And this was oh. over the summertime during the very dark time that we've all have been trying to survive through um, with George Floyd and everything before leading up to that and after. And um, it's just been quite a difficult time. And I can relate to what you were saying, where it's like you're you're torn between am I is it okay for me to feel happy about my sewing? Is it okay for me to be, you know, so it's, it's such a weird time because not only with sewing, but just in so many other areas, like you're not sure, you just don't know what to feel. And so first I must say that I am so incredibly proud of you. Um, We've never met, but I definitely from a distance and even with speaking with you now, I'm so, so incredibly proud of you. And your swift and tenacious execution of this coalition. Um, That's just my two little cents. (laughs) So may you elaborate and share a bit about Black Makers Matter and what was the driving force behind its inception and the launch? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, first of all, thank you for those kind words. Um, you know, I love you. I love I, we have not met, um, but I am in awe of all of the creations. And I can't wait to see the more things that you create with your um, love of sewing. Thank you. Um, so with Black Makers Matter, I think around that time, you know, after the, the killing of Mr. Floyd, mm-hmm. 
a couple of makers, myself included, as well as most a lot of people had voiced our concerns with the fact that the brands that we were supporting did not make a stance on um, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. uh, or just even saying anything in regards to the creators and those who we those who we have brand partnerships with, ambassadorships with. Um, so we just wanted to make sure like, wait, you know. We've noticed for a long time, you know, the lack of diversity in the crafters and makers industry. Mm -hmm. Um, We all see it. We've noticed it. Some of us say things about it. Some of us haven't. I mean, there are groups that are specifically formed um, like Black Girls Craft, um, Black Girls Sew, you know, a variety of different groups that have been formed way before um, Black Makers Matter. Um, But at the same time, it was like, it was, it was this deafening silence. And yes. we were just like, wait a second, what's, what's going on? So I remember I just slid into, I slid into those DMs mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of some fabulous uh, sewist uh, makers that I followed, um, some that I've met in person and have personal relationships with. And just, you know, simply said, you know, I believe in organizing, mobilizing. It was something to those extent. And I would love to see if we could do something as a collective um together. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'll be very honest. And I've been very honest to this point and transparent. I really thought this was something that was going to be a weekend thing <laughs> that, <laughs> that, you know, I, we set up that zoom call, on, you know, that Wednesday and it was like, okay, had another meeting on Thursday. I didn't quite sleep. And then on, we launched and then it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we, we got this going. And I'm like, wait a second. Um, <laughs> I I didn't know we signed up, you know, many people, many of them too, many of some of the members also didn't know like, oh my God, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know I was joining an organization. I said, well, I didn't know we were creating one. (laughs) (laughs) But it was needed. And if our growth even though I, I believe in organic growth, you know, in terms of social media and because I don't look at numbers uh-huh. at all. I'm into organic. I believe in if you have 10 people, you cultivate those 10 exactly. relationships. If you have 10, 000, it doesn't matter. I don't love I don't like numbers, um, but seeing the rapid growth. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, well, this is something that's needed. There are other groups and organizations that have been developed, that have been here. They also have a strong following or so. And I call support. I don't say followers. I said, these are the support. Right. You know, these are champions um, for change. And, you know, we wanted to envision a landscape that lovingly, and I'll say that word lovingly, reflected us, our voices and the diversity within the community. It was something that was needed. Yes. And, you know, we wanted to not only supply, um, be a, a source of education, um, resources, healing. So those are some of the things. I kind of said this um, in, in, in a few interviews that I've done about Black Makers Matter is that we were a plane that was already in air that were that was building itself. Mm-hmm. So as we're building, the luggage is on. Some of the luggage may need to drop off. The wheels are up, then they're down. The wing is on, it's not, you know? Um, And we all learning each other, working styles, but we know one thing, what our mission is, is to unite and bring about and implement cultural transformation within the sewing and crafting industry. Mm -hmm. And I will say, and I'll say this today on this date, that I see it. I see it happening. We may not necessarily get the credit because we're not here for that, you know, and I don't think 
well, this has been done because of Black Makers Matter. No, we know that there needed to be a change. And I think a lot of the companies we've met with um, and a lot of other brands that we plan to meet with have and see that, as well as other makers and creators and being more intentional with um, how they go about incorporating diversity mm-hmm. Um inclusion. I think for us, we see it and I see the climate shifting. And as I tell people, things don't happen overnight. Change doesn't happen overnight. Not at all. It's going to take time. But even if it's with every little tiny step, that's something. And I know that it was um, through our assistance and through our push in a climate that already had some change makers Mm -hmm. in it. We we really, truly helped to um, to bring about change. And I'm so happy to be a part of this coalition and the great things that we are doing and what we plan on doing. Um, it is a lot. I am doing a lot. Um, I've always been, and I'll, and I'll just say this, I've always been someone that's been civically engaged. Mm-hmm. I've been very involved since I was young, you know, in student council. I was student government vice president and president in my college and university, um, part of a sorority. So I've always been in organizations that gave back to the community. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom, always had a giving heart and spirit. And that was one thing that because I wasn't sewing, I realized I was connecting through her, mm-hmm. through these actions of bringing community together. Yeah. She was always a club. You know, family would come to her. She was that hub. And I realized that that was one thing that she passed on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's weird that I'm like, if I'm not even sewing, I'm still connecting through her by bringing people together. Yeah. And that's all and that's always been me. I don't make money off of any of this stuff. You yeah. know, this is just me wanting to see more people sell, more people come together. Yeah. And it's it's it was one of the because I remember over the summer too that I noticed that. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is something that was screaming very loudly to me, the lack of acknowledgement. And it it's just like one of the unfortunate realities in such a beautiful community um, that this huge industry, there was just silence. It was like a complete blackout during a cry, an outcry um, within a community. And it was heartbreaking. I remember I was upset about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, I spent a lot of time in these places yeah. <laughs> and a lot of funds come floating. I don't know how out of my card, out of my wallets, all of this. Yeah. So when I noticed this, I, w- I, I felt infuriated. And then I saw that, OK, wait, there are others in the creator community that's noticing this as well. And, you know, it's it, it was just it really, really was heartbreaking to see that there was no acknowledgement um, mm-hmm. that was made at all. There was just not, it was just business as usual. And mm-hmm. it was really a bunch of intense weeks and months that we had over the summer. Yeah. And it's like these companies, um, large and small, you know, along with people mm-hmm. who were standing in unity as allies and accomplices with the mm-hmm. Black community and Black Makers Matter and what was happening. And um, the reality is that we also had a lot of uh, performative activism, which refers yeah. to, you know, the activism done just to increase their social capital rather than because of their genuine devotion to the cause, yeah. which is, you know, aka slacktivism. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there is just so much of that. And um some of the larger companies it, it was just 
mind boggling that they did nothing at all to like acknowledge the times. And there's so many, many, many loyal customers and ambassadors and collaborators that were and are in the heart of the horror and the community that was taking place. And this, I wanted to talk to you to find out, because I know that a few years ago, you had actually had the opportunity to meet with the higher ups and explore and see the inner workings of a couple of these companies, uh, McCall's and Simplicity in New York. Mm -hmm. So were you surprised and or disappointed by the, the lack of acknowledgement so I, I will say yes. I with with the sewing companies or the pattern companies, I didn't take a a stand in terms of where I was boycotting them. Mm-hmm. But I did have a conversation with the CEO. He called me personally, um, and at that time, I said, you know, you could have said something, and he acknowledged what um, that they could have done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So that's why we ended up meeting with them. So um, there are some changes that are coming to that uh, to that to that company that I can't speak on at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are, I believe, moving um, in the right direction. But again, um, change does take time. Yeah. You know, we acknowledge that it was a pattern. And in the past, a lot of the community, you know, when you look at the pattern, when you look at marketing, especially myself being in marketing, you know, you have to be intentional with some of the things that you do. And then sometimes there's just like, were you not even thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't like an image and, you know, I texted him and, you know, sent him a message and he was like, okay, yeah, that image was removed off the site. It wasn't removed from the stores because they already were already shipped, but it was already, it was removed from the site, you know, and imagery is very important. So I think for us, when we met um, with that group, we were very honest in some of the things that we thought could help and, um, you know, to make some change Mm -hmm. and some of what you can see, you know, um, even when we met with other larger crafting, um, communities or, or or groups, organizations, Mm -hmm. the, the things they said, you know, honestly, we don't market to, you know, a diverse group because in their minds, it's one particular group of women or, you know, craft, crafters that are crafting, you know, and that's not true. You know, we know that we see that and we didn't realize that we were doing it. And then, you know, a lot of these places don't have a diversity uh, uh, or inclusion person, you know, um, work. I've worked in higher ed and I've done diversity training and inclusion. That was part of the the job that I would do with with events as well, bringing in diverse events, but also trying to retain you know, students of color at the schools that I worked at. And um, one of the things, you know, was to do the training. And, you know, when you talk to these companies, it's like they don't have the infrastructure for that. Mm-hmm. They don't, there's a need. It's like, we're crafting, everything is, you know, is white, yeah, white surface, pink bows and call it a day, you yeah. know? Um, so for them to take the, the stance themselves and say, wow, we could do better. Why is it that when we have conferences, there isn't a diverse slate? Why is it that when we have ambassadors or influencers, I hate that term, but that's the term that some of them mm-hmm. use, right? Why are they only going to a certain demographic? Why can't other people be involved? Right. You know, does it really have to be based on numbers, you know? So for us, and I'll, and I'll say this, we, we want to change that landscape, not for us personally, who are part of Black Makers Matter. Mm -hmm. We're not 
feel like, yeah, we're meeting with you and you need to give us something. No, not at all. Either how can we help you if you want that help? Yeah. If you want to make that change, what are some ways that we can do that? Um, um, here are some contact lists. So those are the things that I'm looking forward to next year because we have a, a nice group of lists of makers. We advertise on our Mondays. We do our makers Mondays. On Thursdays, we do throwback Thursdays. Coming up very soon will be our shop small Saturday, um, as well as the different techniques and in incorporating different makers. And then our um, continuous town hall meetings and working with um, the different sewing, um, sewing companies, uh, sewing machine yeah. companies. Well, as some of the other brands, because um, they find it and they they want to do the work and um, we want to work with companies that want us to assist them in any way, um, shape or form. Yeah. And what do you feel like with moving forward? You've had the opportunity to go in and have these conversations. So what can we or should we be doing as creators and makers as we move forward to navigate our ways with these companies? Is it something that we should be also communicating with them about and letting them know that this is something we would be interested in seeing? Or do you feel like um, those aren't doors that are open to receive or listen or are willing to make a change? Like how do we as creators become actively a part of the change yeah. that we're desiring? Definitely. I think it's important that everyone, cause we all have a voice, mm-hmm. you know, and you have a voice and it's something that you're passionate about and you see something definitely speak up and say it because the more voices and it's not just coming from a particular set group when they see it from other people, they may listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we will start to see, and we have started to see. Um, I do see the performative, uh, the performative activism. I do see uh-huh. it um, from both sides, right? Yeah. Um, but I see that people are really wanting to make that change. But just like with any movement, you know, we know it's it's not a moment. You know, this is not just one little moment in time. And I think for some, you know, as the holidays come around, as you know, twenty the election twenty twenty one, will this still be a strong focus for? For everyone, and I, I would say for the makers, if you are really passionate about seeing that change, continue to do the things that you were doing to to implement that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're something, call it out if you're comfortable doing that. You know, um, we have a three facet rule within uh, Black Makers Matter. We have those who want the seat at the table, those who want to build their own table, and then those who want to flip the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I say when, you know, when I'm meeting with the group is, you know, for those who want to flip the table, after you flip the table, what's next? Yeah. You know, um, after you build that table, what's next? Or if you have a seat at the table, what are you saying? You know, so those are the things that for me is where um, knowing that everyone can leave, you know, yeah. they may say, well, it's not for me. This is what's going to be on my shoulders, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's important for me to make sure because I'm putting myself out yeah. there again. Yes, because <laughs> they could be like, well, we don't, we don't know what this crazy lady is talking about, and and you know, but I, I'll still go on and do whatever I do because it's not something that I was doing as a performance. Mm-hmm. This is I'm passionate about. You hear it in my voice. You see it every day. I'm not just starting. I didn't start something to say it's for the community because I've always been about the community. Right. You know. So um, for me, that's. That's what's important. So I would just say with makers, transparency is important. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's interesting because we can we can talk for a whole nother hour. Because 
Because <laughs> you see that there's some people who want that, um, they want that, how do I explain it? This type of attention, yes. you know, in a way, yeah. some of it is great and some of it is like, okay, they, they're seeking something. And it's like, what is it that you're seeking? Like, do this truly for your, for me, that's what I do. I'm not seeking anything. I have enough on my plate. I really can't add anything else, but I am, uh-huh. you know, I have a, a new business venture. I can't say too much about it because I'm launching at a, a certain time, but it's something again, that's for the community. And I wonder, you know, where I find the time, but I realized that when you're passionate about mm-hmm. something, find the time, the time comes that, you know, because it, it's something that you're doing. It's like, it doesn't even feel like work because you're passionate yeah. about it. And yeah. when, when this starts to feel like work or burden, I have to take a step back and I don't feel that way um, yet. Um, but I know that what we formed was something we didn't realize we were forming. Right. So I know that weight. I know what it looks like. I know what it could feel like where some people say, what is it that they're doing? We're for you one minute and then make we may make a mistake or we mm-hmm. may not speak up on something that someone thought we could speak up on, right? Yeah. Oh, we're done with them. And it's like, wait, but really? You know, and you know, in this cancel culture, oh my gosh. a lot of people, they don't want to take that chance mm-hmm. for some. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm Look, you can cancel me all you want. No one can cancel me but the Lord. Okay? So, uh, because I'm still going to be here because this is something that's true to my heart. Yeah. So it's different if it was like, yeah, you know, so you're going to, we're, we're going to go through change because again, we formed through something we were trying to change. Yes. But at the same time, we're working on how we're going to change the landscape and keep going and whether or not it's still a going to be a priority, which we think it is. And then if things are solved, right, if we start to see the diversity or the change we want, will they still be a purpose for mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think so because, again, it's going to be a variety of different things that we, we're going to do. So I'm so happy of the things that we have planned. Um, and I will say that there are going to be opportunities for other makers to get involved with Black Makers Matter. Um, again, we had 25 people. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> and I had to try to manage and, you know, different personalities, different groups. And we were all passionate about one thing. Uh-huh. But we that um, there were other makers that are like, well, why didn't you pick me? I'm like, it wasn't that. It, it had nothing to do with anyone or anything. You yes. know, because at the end of the day, we all are in this together. Yeah. You're maker if you're an ally we're in this together to change that landscape so you are a part of black makers matter if you choose to be um we're going to provide ways where people can actually have that seat at the table with us Mm -hmm. um because we recognize that that's important too um you know, being in organizations and when you have those who are not in organizations, sometimes they look at you in a different way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not put people on pedestals at all. Um, so I want to make sure that this does truly feel like that community that I envisioned and that we envisioned as a group. Yeah. And the thing is, the, the sewing community, it, it's like a huge, huge family is how I see it. Um, it's... It's surprising. It, it, from my experience and observations so far, everyone seems just eagerly supportive of each other. And um, you work with a lot of makers and creators personally. Um, what encouragements, advice or suggestions would you give to anyone listening that may be interested, um, but very intimidated or hesitant to get started in sewing itself? 
oh, wow, definitely go for it. Just go, just go. I always tell people because people slide in my DMs all the time um, and I message them back. I talk to them. Sometimes I'll do video calls. I'll uh-huh. read up. <laughs> Um, I had to really uh, change with my access because I was, uh, and I'll say this, and this may sound crazy, but I was too accessible in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taken advantage of, or, you know, you have a big heart yes. and then you don't realize that people's intentions aren't really what they are for you. Right. Um, but I will say that I, I say, go for it. You know, I, my first project was a tool skirt. We learned how to sew on a straight line with paper. And then from there, change the needle. I had literally took the machine out the box, Mm -hmm. sewed a little pouch bag. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to sew my tool skirt. Uh And (laughs) a little baby in the corner, but I didn't give up. So don't give up. Don't get intimidated by, you know, I've been sewing now seven years, right? But again, I've had some experience with sewing from my mom, my family, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the sky's the limit. So don't limit yourself. You know, um, I was looking at patterns re- just today as I was cleaning up mm-hmm. and I was going like, oh my God, Monica, why did you buy this pattern? It's like, like so easy. Like, why are you even, what are you not even going to sell this? You know, you need to give this to someone who'll probably sell this. You know, you're more advanced a little bit. I still consider myself a, 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 an advanced beginner. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like me. I jumped straight into the deep end with my sewing machine threads and everything. And it's like, what am I? Listen, I'm going to learn how to sew. I'm going to learn how to do this. So let's just start here. And it was like, yeah, so I, to, I, to, I am an advanced beginner. Go ahead. I like that. <laughs> we're such a supportive community, you know, truly, truly is. So, you know, find your niche, um, find your pockets of the people that you gel with, that you see, um, you know, and there are going to be some you may hit up and they may not respond. It's okay. It's not a problem. You know, um, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, definitely you hit me up. I'll definitely respond back as much as I can. I will. Mm-hmm. I, I try to get at least 95 to 98% of the time. Yeah. Uh, that has always been me. And I, you know, I will never not respond to someone. Um, uh, but I will say, just go for it. And I, I'm loving the fact that a lot of people picked up sewing again because of the pandemic and wanting to make masks to support their communities. You know, my, uh, with the city of Dallas, they, you know, they, again, I had to come back and work and do sewing, mm-hmm. you know, Monica, can you do some masks? And I'm like, Oh, okay, sure. Not a problem. We sold over 5,000 masks for the community in Dallas and it was so impactful. You know, I didn't have a problem with doing that. Right. You know, right. There was no hesitation, even though I was tired every night coming home and did not want to see another sewing machine needle or anything. It was just something to know that, we, you know, you gave back. So starting to see that resurgence of new sewers, people who are interested, who want to now, I, I think this is a great time. And I, I feel I have a thing in my heart, like, I'm going to, we're probably going to start seeing home ec come back again. I would, like, I would think that that would be a fantastic part of the curriculum to incorporate mm-hmm. again. Unfortunately, it's like in so many of the schools, the arts just started, yeah. you know, being removed from the curriculum. And it's like, okay, well, we don't have funding for art teachers or we don't have funding for home economics teachers and stuff. But hopefully, especially since the pandemic, where so many people, the outpouring and flooding um, of people that had to jump on board and start making masks or shift, like you're saying, so many people had to pivot and shift. And some people had to do it because just to survive in their companies, um, I, I really am hoping that it is something that is 
embraced on a larger mm-hmm. scale um, in companies and in corporations that have the capacity to make it more widespread and available. I think what they're doing in Dallas, what you guys are doing in making this a free space that people can come and learn. Um, it's great because this can be a business for so many people. I mean, there are so many things that you can do within the sewing community other than just sewing for others. Um, I wanted to highlight some of the amazing people in the community. There's like Mimi G. She has school. And just the other day, she launched her fabric line. It's melanated fabrics. And there's Tabitha Sower. There's you, Monica. There's um, Mr. Domestic. It's just like, he's also a very strong voice in the community, advocate, ally, accomplice, and amazing crafter and quilter. Then you have like Laura from The Skirt Boss, and she's working on her pattern company, Sherry, which um, she has her fabric box and she's with My Daily Threads. And then you have Marcy from Una Baluna is the name of her. (laughs) This is so cute. Una Baluna is the name of her blog. And she also has a program with NBCU that's called Refashion, like Recall and Fashion, where she does things on there. So it's such an amazing craft and medium but there's so much that can come from it in addition to it being therapeutic because sewing is my therapy and um there is a lot so people who are listening if you're thinking about sewing it definitely give it a go give it a try and if it's something that you love but you feel like this is a craft that you just can't get down or you don't feel that you can um perfect it or do it well enough to make it a business, there are other areas that you definitely can consider um, to be to be involved in it. So what are what are some of the suggestions that you have for people or creators um, that are currently going through a creative block or Mm -hmm. just not feeling inspired at the time? Because we do have a lot on our plate that's happening. I would say start small. You know, um, I get inspired by looking and surfing the internet and seeing the wonderful makes that everyone is making. And that inspires me to keep going. Cause I'm like, Oh, if they can go, I can, I can also do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also realized starting small and maybe doing smaller projects like little coin purse or, you know, a little tank top that I can get some instant gratification from, or even if it's just a duster for me, mm-hmm. um, doing something like that, a quick project gets me going. And then almost all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, my sojo has come mm-hmm. back. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to call it because we all lose it at some time yeah. and different points. Um and I know I lost it for months and the, yeah, I just couldn't do anything else. Um, or even if it's just sewing like a mask for someone. Um, and, and that's something that, that makes you, as soon as you put that machine and you hit your foot on that pedal, yes. that just like, oh my gosh, why did I leave this? What was wrong with me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it so- definitely has, because I know I have dealt with that through the, through the pandemic as well. All right. So with all of the, 120, 11, 13, 59 million projects that you have running at the same time. (laughs) What do you have? What does Monica have in her studio on the sewing table right now that is just for you? Girl. So I, I, you know, I love the fall. The fall is one of my favorite seasons, being on the East Coast, seeing the leaves change, Uh you know, Stuff. Here in Texas, the leaves don't really, they change 
in the day and then that's it. And it's not even, it's not vibrant. But I got some really gorgeous wool recently. Um, I purchased fabric and, you know, I'm all about support. So I've supported um, the different fabric uh, stores that have just recently opened as well as boxes and all of that stuff. So I'm waiting for that fabric to come in. But I have... um, all of these layered looks and very polished looks, uh, you know, headed back into the office. I, um, I'm in a new position again. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. And with that, I, you know, I don't have to wear, you know, my black slacks and, uh, and, and top anymore. I can, you know, fancy it up now. Yay. And so I want to make my dream work wardrobe. That's what's on my table right now. I'm cutting into this wool to sew this skirt. And then also my sew your view for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to get it in before because I'm typically late. I'm like usually pulling it on the last day. That's the reason why I post the pictures last. <laughs> I'm at that moment, like finishing up the hem. Um, <laughs> I want to try to get it at least a little early this week um, to take a picture. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's on my table, girl. All right. Mm-hmm. This... Um... This may be a hard choice, but this is one of the last questions that I have. Well, the last question that I will uh, extend to you. Um, what are two of the most proud or memorable memorable makes that you've made and what's significant about it to you? Wow. Okay. Ooh, that's... Ooh. <laughs> Oh, now I got to scroll. Okay, so I'll say the first. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the first one. Oh, okay, I will say is um, is when I made an outfit for the Fourth of July um, for the Sewn Sewn Magazine, mm-hmm. and I had to make something for the Fourth of July look, and it was a really beautiful skirt with the red and white blouse, and it replicated the flag, the American flag. Okay. The significance for me now is I reposted that picture recently and I reposted it in black and white. Mm. And like, you know, the America that we live in now does not reflect, or I don't know if it ever really reflected, you know, yeah. what it, it, it should be, you mm. know? So there's a significance for me um, in that because it was one of my favorite makes, but just knowing that, you know, where we live how we're living, you know, is I want to be able to be proud of not only where I was born, um, but also just what's happening now in 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 the climate. So that I will say, um, if, if that made any sense, yeah. um, because it, it was a strong picture um, when I looked at it, and I remember a lot of people shared it um, for Fourth of July. But you know, I had to realize, like, wait a second, you know, this is um, it's more to that. You know, are we truly free? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's a weird way um that it depicts it in my mind and um I will say the other one was it's it's a black and white outfit Mm -hmm. that I recently made um okay let me see if uh with you saying black and white I immediately drew a picture that I remember seeing of you tell me if I'm right or wrong and so it is a black and white suit it was like pants and jacket and one side's white and one side's black is that it yes 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 that is it and you know um I made that in April and you know for me it was it it, it stands true now because like just us coming together as a community as a whole Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I will say, because when I put that on, I'll tell you, it was something about, I felt power, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just 
it was it was different from when I put on some of my other mates. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, wow, Monica, you did not only did you do a great job, I loved it. It was just it was, this is my power moment. This is this was this was me, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's one of the beautiful things that I will say about being able to design or create or make is that mm-hmm. it is such an amazing opportunity and outlet for our outpouring um, mm-hmm. of our voices and our hearts and the impact that it can have, even though there's no words that are coming out of the imagery, but it mm-hmm. speaks loudly and it creates emotion and it can impact in such an amazing way. Um, and that's why I love it so much and why I have so much respect for it. And I just am like on cloud nine when I see all of the different creators at the different stages and seeing the things that are bringing them joy because it it exudes through the imagery that they of course, if they're posting it, they find to be the best one to reflect in the way that they want it to. Um, so mm-hmm. it's such a powerful thing. Sewing is just not, okay, you're behind the machine, but it really is a powerful um, craft. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel like if we lived closer, <laughs> I have a feeling we could get into like some serious mischief while fabric shopping and sewing up some amazing designs and getting involved in the community and all of this stuff. But please let everyone know where they can find you and follow along with all of the amazing things that you're that you're doing. Yeah. So everyone can find me on um, social media at that's. So Monica, um, I I'm working on my blog. It's it's up, and I work on as much as I can. Try to find time to do that. I'm trying to figure out a way to transcribe my blog, mm-hmm. so I don't have to run and type. Um, <laughs> so, at Sew Your View for the online um, sew along um, that you can participate in. That's at Sew Your View, and then at the Project Sew um, for in person sewing and online as we start our up our Zoom um, in in our Zoom meetings. And then also for the Black Makers Matter, it's at BLK Makers Matter. Um, and yeah, that's it for right now. I have some other things in the work. Y'all be hearing about very very soon. <laughs> I have enjoyed this so much, Monica. My sincerest thanks to you for spending this time with me. Um, This has been wonderful. And uh, yeah, I hope that we can um, collaborate again in the future, near future on other things. Oh, definitely. I'm all for collaboration. So girl, you send me, you let me know what you want to do, or we can come up with something. And once this city opens, we'll be up in LA because the Project So Lady will be traveling to go fabric shopping. Very, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, beautiful people, that is a wrap on the sewing surge, the return of the lost art, the growing community, and the divide with Monica. Be sure to check out her website and Instagram platforms. You won't be disappointed. Her work and creations are absolutely incredible. I will also have the connection tabs and links and everything in the show write-up so you can go to my website at chazon.com to find them there or whatever platform that you're listening on within that write-up will have all of her information you definitely want to go along for that journey if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe review and share the skinny with others let us know your thoughts takeaways and give your feedback on moments that stood out to you 
is truly important to us as we continue to evolve and grow this amazing community. If there are topics and guests that you'd like to hear on the show, please don't hesitate to drop us a line. You can always find us at our main portal, Shazan.com. That's S-H-A-Y-Z's and Zebra, O-N as in Nancy.com. For all the goodies and latest updates on the show, head over to Instagram and follow the Skinny Podcast. That's S-K-I-N-N-I Podcast. And for a peek inside the life of the voice behind the mic, follow at Shazan. Again, that's S-H-A-Y-Z as in Zebra O-N. You've been listening to The Skinny with me, Shazan. Thank you so much for sharing your time and light with me in this space where you are heard, seen, valued, and loved. Never forget you're beautiful and deserve to live a happy and empowered life. Meet you back here for next week's episode. Bye, honey bunnies. Mwah.